At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. This is my masterpiece. I would like you to meet Cerebro. What exactly are we looking at here? An unassembled, one-of-a-kind, battery-powered radio tower. So, it's a, a ham radio. The Cadillac of ham radios. This baby carries a crystal-clear connection over vast distances. I'm talking North Pole to South. I can talk to my girlfriend whenever and wherever I choose. Girlfriend? Wait, so her name is Susie? Susie with a Z. She's from Utah. Girls go to science camp? Susie does. She's a genius. Is she cute? Thinks Phoebe Cates, only hotter. What's going on? I want to talk to Dustin's girlfriend. Girlfriend? The last proper episode of Stranger Danger that I did, I think was in January of 2018. I went back and listened to it this morning, and in it I said, oh, I'll be back talking about trailers, any any hints or clues we get to season three. Um, and I definitely meant it at the time. Came back for a minute when we talked about uh, the episode titles. That was the first reveal. Stranger Things released the episode titles for season three, so I kind of went through all those. And then they released the trailer, and I had all these plans to talk about it. And then I never did. Then a week would go by, and another week, and I'd say, "Oh, I got, I got to do something. I got to do something for the trailer." Then all of a sudden, it was June, and I knew right around the corner we were going to get Stranger Things 3. And at that point, I'd given up on doing something beforehand. Um, I just kept tweeting, um, tweeting you right. I just kept tweeting that uh, Stranger Danger is coming back. Str- hashtag Stranger Danger Podcast. Tweeting from my Geek Mentality account. Uh, And then, on July 4th, Stranger Things 3 premiered. 
I watched it over the next couple nights um, and just wanted to kind of take the whole thing in, give myself a little time, and then start doing episodes, which means start rewatching, start coming up with ideas and theories and taking notes, and here we are. We did it. So, I just want to set some ground rules before I go further anymore. I've watched the entire season of Stranger Things 3 already. And I'm going to do my best not to treat each episode like you've already watched every single episode. I don't want to spoil things. I don't want to get ahead of things. I'd like to treat this episode like I just watched it and I don't know what's going to happen and I don't see um, what's up ahead. I took some notes that kind of... I can't help... Um, I can't avoid talking about some things that happen. So it's this is rough. I'm hoping that you're a big enough Stranger Things fan that you've already watched it a couple times. That's my hope. But if you haven't, don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything major. I'm not going to try to, at least. Just going to warn you. So that's it. Let's get started talking about Chapter 1 of Stranger Things 3. Susie, do you copy? Now remember, last season of Stranger Things took place in 1984. October. Halloween. This season opens up in June 1984. Months before whatever happened in Hawkins for season two even happened. And this time, we're not even in Hawkins. The episode opens up in a lab. And we see these two scientists in white coats. And nobody says a word. So we don't know who these people are. What they're doing. But we hear this loud machine going. And we look in this, you know, they're in this, like, in this laboratory behind some glass. In the next room, we see this giant, almost like a laser drill type thing, spinning and with blue light going. And it is shooting straight into what appears to be a gate. Is it the gate? Is it another gate? We have no idea at this point. We just see scientists shooting at a gate, looking like they're trying not to close a gate, but to open a gate. But before they get anywhere, boom, a giant explosion. The machine stops working and just kind of goes haywire with these, I don't think, do, do we see these little, uh, an arm kind of reach out? I think we do. I, I just watched this episode like for the second time earlier tonight. And all of a sudden, there's all these scientists in hazmat suits inside with the drill. They're fl- they're kind of getting thrown up in the air, and you know, flipping around. And then, boom, they land, and they are turned to just a pile of jelly. Now, while these scientists are looking kind of freaked out, the guys in the glass in the booth that are still alive, 
uh, this general seems to come in and check on their progress. He walks right up to the wall where they were shooting at the gate, where they're trying to open something. He puts his hand right up against it. Oh my God, they're Russian. So the Russian doctor is saying, look how much progress we've made. We've come so close. Then this hard-ass Terminator-looking guy just chokes him out, Darth Vader style. The comrade general tells the young scientist, one year. You have one year. Then he walks out into the freezing cold air of Soviet Russia. We're not in Hawkins. We're in friggin' Russia. There is a gate in Russia. So that was June 1984. Think about it. This was months before the Mind Flayer, before everything that happened in Stranger Things 2. The Russians were already dealing with this. So it kind of makes you think that if in season one they were trying to contain the gate in Hawkins, somehow it got out to, I don't know, the rest of the world but it definitely got out to Russia and they're looking for their own gate. And they almost found it. Didn't quite work for them, but they have a year to work on it, which leads us to one year later, 1985. The year I was... Nine years old in 1985. So I was probably basically the same age as um, Lucas's little sister, I think. We'll just, we'll leave that there in case you haven't gotten that far yet. But um, yeah, 1985. And what do we open up with in 1985? Corey Hart. Singing, never surrender. Um, one thing I've learned in the year since Stranger Things 2, in the year since the dance where Mike and Eleven kissed for the first time, they love kissing and they love kissing each other awkwardly. They're, um, they're just like kissing while Mike is like loving Corey Hart and singing along to Corey Hart and Eleven doesn't get it, doesn't care, doesn't like it. And Mike is like, what, what do you mean? Don't you think this is awesome? And she's like, no. Uh, meanwhile, while this is going on, in the next room, Hopper is just kind of sitting in a chair watching Magnum P.I. And, um, you know, Magnus, Magnum says something interesting. He says, sometimes things go exactly as planned, sometimes they don't. Or sometimes you're playing, you know, something like that. 
Uh, and I thought that was a, a, a neat little nod to basically what happens all the time in Stranger Things. Plus the Magnum P.I. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it's a little bit of a nod later. Anyway, he's kind of hanging out, just doing his dad thing, sitting there while Eleven and Mike are in the other room hanging out, but actually they're uh, enjoying kissy kissy time. Now Hopper leans back and he notices this and he freaks. He's like, he starts yelling at them, three inch minimum. He gets up, no, Eleven does her powers and closes the door. And um, he gets up, knocks on the door and they open it up. He's like, what? He, you could tell Hopper is not a fan of Mike and Eleven. He's not a fan of Eleven growing up so fast. He's not a fan of Mike being there all the time. Uh, and he's definitely not a fan of watching them kiss in her bedroom. But that's young love for you. Um, Mike ends up leaving. Doesn't stay too late. Leaves on his bike. But he's ha- he has a... Um, He's on his walkie-talkie. Now Eleven has her on walkie-talkie. And they're, they're laughing about Hopper. And um, they're like, did you see the look at his face? Ha, 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 as Mike's riding his bike. It's funny that this kind of, the walkie-talkie works as a, as a go-between. As a, because we don't have cell phones back in Stranger Things times. But this works because the kids are still kind of in contact. I don't. I don't. These are really good walkie-talkies to be working this good all over town. Um, I remember having walkie-talkies and my brother talking to some trucker randomly, out in who knows where he was. I mean, that was that was probably the coolest thing my brother's walkie-talkies ever did. Um, but anyway, Mike is heading to the Star Court Mall. I mean, as again, as a kid of the '80s. The malls were the place to go. Uh, I had a mall. If you ever look up the Methuen Mall, I mean, I lived like a mile from there, not even a mile from there. I didn't realize how close I, I, I uh, lived there as a kid. Um, but, you know, going there, it was like the coolest thing. Or at least you thought it was the coolest thing. And you didn't have any plans or anything to do. You could just walk around sit at the food court, go to the arcade, go to the record store, walk around, try to look cool, walk around, um, you know, wear your jeans and your work boots and your heavy metal shirt, think you look cool, realizing you look like a chubby little nerd. But that didn't matter. The mall was where you went with your friends on Friday night. And in, Haw- in Hawking, apparently, no matter... Hawkins? What? Hawking. Um, no matter... What happened, like monsters coming, uh, kids almost dying, these kids still have an amazing amount of freedom that kids today just don't have. Um, They're all hanging out. They're all meeting up at the mall on their bikes. And they're all going for one reason. It's not just to hang out. It's to go to the movies. And they cut through the mall like, you know, like they are a little, not punks, but they are a little... A little bit punky, you know, cutting through the mall, cutting through escalators. There's a big, giant two-floor mall. I didn't, we didn't have that in our area until, like, the 90s. Oh, the 90s. Um, but we see Lucas's little sister there, and she's, you know, she's 
they're yelling back and forth at each other. He said, like, shouldn't you be at home? He's like, shouldn't you be dead or something like that? It was, um, it was, uh, it was funny. That was the first time we saw Erica, which is Lucas's younger sister. And again, I can't say too much. I don't want to say too much thinking maybe you haven't watched the whole season yet. Um, but what are they going to see? No, I, I forgot. I thought, oh, they go to the movies. No, no, they don't just go to the movies. First, they stop off at Scoops Ahoy. Guess who works at Scoops Ahoy? Our old friend, Steve Harrington. There's a new girl there. Her name is Robin, and she's like, Steve, your, your children are here. Um, so obviously this has happened multiple times before. He, in fact, Steve says, really, again? And they just ring the bell, like, let us through. He brings them through the back of Scoops Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy. They walk down the hall and right into the movie theater. They walk right by a Back to the Future poster, which I was like, oh, my God, 1985. And right into the theater to see Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, if you don't know, is the third part. Oh, third part. Stranger Things 3. This is the third part of the George Romero uh, Living Dead movies. So he did the original zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead, the old black and white movie. Then he did Dawn of the Dead, um, which was the movie that took place in a shopping mall. It was a giant um, zombie movie in a mall. I never saw the original, but I did see the remake that Zack Snyder made. That was actually kind of a fun movie. Then Day of the Dead was the third one, which they remade that too, I think. I believe the Day of the Dead is almost like the zombies have taken over. Everyone's underground. There's like this giant... um, it's like a war has happened. or That's what I think Day of the Dead is. But it's the third installment of the franchise, and we are in the third installment of Stranger Things. So I'm, I'm guessing that's the connection. I'm trying to think why they chose Day of the Dead. Probably because that movie came out that year. But, you know, there was a lot of movies that came out in 1985. Um, but they ended up going with that one, and the power went out. Power goes out, and it's kind of, they, they, we pull back from the mall, and we see the power go out in the mall we see the power go out outside the mall we see the power go out more oh they keep zooming back zooming back power's going out here power's going out there all over town the power goes out and then we cut over and we see all these rats running around rats like freaking out looks like they're they're running from something or to something and we go into this factory down in the bottom of the factory, we start seeing it. Oh, at first, I thought it was like water. It almost looked like water. Something coming together, coming together, and forming, and then kind of swirling and spinning and swirling. And it looks like some kind of monster, some kind of smoky, foggy, watery, rocky. I don't know. It's just kind of all swirling in there. And then, boom, the power go back, goes back on. And Will has these goosebumps on the back of his neck. That same feeling he got when he thought that the mind flare was around in season two. And one thing I really liked about this is Mike noticed this. And he leaned over to Will and he said, uh, you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. He goes, are you sure? Is that extra are you sure that makes me realize that Mike still kind of looks out for Will, and he, he, he did that last season too, but he, um, you could see it more, or you could see it 
really, with this moment. There's not a ton of that this season, but you can see him kind of like, he knows to ask, and he knows to make sure, because Will's been through more than any of them. Crazy, crazy uh, poop, I guess you could say. So they go on, and they continue to watch the rest of the movie, and there's a jump scare in the movie, uh, and that is the moment when we cut to the next day. And who do we see together in the same room? Nancy and Jonathan waking up together, freaking out that they're late, that um, in whatever they're late for, they both seem to be late for this. Uh, and I'm like, oh, are they kind of like living together at this point? Or are they, is it known that Nancy is staying there? No, she jumps out the window and sneaks out the back. And Jonathan goes out through the front, says, I'm going to be eating at work. Thanks. Sees his mom, Joyce, and sees um, Will eating breakfast. And they kind of head off. And Will is like, you know, he does not like um, knowing about, oh, he said he's going to be doing something with Nancy later, I think. And Will is just like, ugh, he didn't like it. And um, Joyce is like, oh, you know, you'll like it when... um, when you know you'll you'll care you'll understand when you fall in love and will said i'm not going to fall in love now that sounds like it could be a throwaway line of like a 5 year old or a 6 year old and um you know this is where i'm going to maybe spoil things a little as far as things that happen in the rest of the season but this i took this in a few different ways when re- watching it again the first one is you know will is still a kid holding on to more childish things. And it could be because he's had some really tough things happen where he's missed chunks of his childhood, which is terrible, terrible things, and he's trying to hold on to it. Um, and, and we'll talk about that for a little while, but, you know, he's he's... He's hanging out with, he's the fifth wheel. We have Mike and Eleven. We have um, Lucas and Max. Uh, Dustin, we haven't seen him yet. And then we have uh, Will. And believe me, I know what it's like to be the fifth wheel or the third wheel. Um, So he's seeing his friends being with girlfriends. uh, And I don't think he's liking that because he wants to still do childish things. And then, you know, they, I did see articles where they talked about his sexuality, as, as, as Will, you know, a, a young gay kid trying to come to terms with who he is. Is that is that a way of him saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm never going to have a woman. I, I'm not going to fall in love. Is that him? I mean, there's you could read all kinds of things into this. Uh, and I just thought, first of all, the, the kid who is the actor for Will, and I never remember these names, he is so good. Like, it was a shame because he was barely in the first season because he was missing. Uh, but he, he he emotes so good and just says simple things that make you really feel for this kid. Um, and this was just one of those lines. And he has a couple other lines that, that he, a couple things he says that make me think, you know, he, he doesn't want things to change. He He likes things the way they are. He likes the stability that he's had for this past year or whatever it's been not even a full year um and you know 
it just and he's not ready to to grow up. He's not ready to move on yet. Anyway, that that's my that's my and I'll I'll I may bring that up again later with things that happen. But um, you know, while uh, they're eating breakfast, Joyce gets up and goes over and sees all these papers and everything on the ground. She's like, "What the hell happened here? All the magnets and all the things that were on the fridge fell off." She put them all back up, and there we see the the will drawing of Bob Newby, superhero. Remember, Sean Astin, Bob Newby, um, Joyce's boyfriend, really good guy, uh, killed by a demodog. So we cut over back to Nancy and Jonathan, and they're now together in, in the car, driving off to work, trying not to be late. Can you please drive faster? Wait, you want to break down? Yeah, we're lucky this thing still drives at all. I'm serious, Jonathan. I can't be late. You mean we can't be late? No, I mean I can't be late. They like you no matter what you do. Hey, they like you too. <laughs> they like that I'm a coffee delivery machine. They don't actually like me or respect me as a living, breathing human with a brain. Hey, you just, you just gotta be patient, okay? They're setting their ways, you know, but... Once they realize what a gifted writer you are, they'll come around. I really don't need a Jonathan Byers pep talk right now. Can you just please try faster? Okay. This kind of sets up a theme for Nancy uh, throughout this season. uh, That she, you know, she works for this newspaper. She wants to be part of this world. She wants to be so much more. But at least in this small town newspaper. Um, she's only seen as the girl who gets coffee, as the girl who runs errands, the girl who makes copies. Um, and Jonathan doesn't get it. You know, She's like, I'm going to be late. He's like, we're both going to be late. And she's like, you don't have to worry about it. I'm the one who's going to get all the crap for being late. And, um, you know, this is the... 1980s, where um, at least it seems in this small town, um, you can still treat women, particularly younger women, like crap at work. And um, we'll get there. But as they drive off, we see a car going in another direction. And guess what? Dustin's back. This is Gold Leader returning to base. Do you copy? Over. This is Gold Leader returning to base. Do you copy? Over. I repeat, this is Gold Leader returning to base. Do you copy? Over. I repeat, this is goddamn Gold Leader. What? Relax, for goodness sake. I'm in range. They should be answering. You've been away a whole month, honey bun. Maybe they just forgot. It's so nice to see Gaiden Matarazzo doing um, something other than Verizon commercials. Uh, he is so good on this show. He's so good in that character. He's so great this season. Uh, and he's back from, looks like he went to camp. And once he's back in range, he, st- he uses the walkie-talkie because they const- they're always on. Uh, and he's saying, this is Gold Leader. I'm back in base. That's a Star Wars reference for you cool people out there that don't know. Um, but he's back. He's expecting to um, see his friends, hear from his friends right away. 
And his mother's like, well, maybe they forgot. Uh, and I'd like to think that she was in on it, setting them up, because he looked pretty sad as they were heading home. But when he got home and went in his room, all of a sudden, all his toys just started going haywire. Transformers, R2-D2, this monkey with symbols. And a lot of these things started organizing, it would seem, and walking out of his room or driving out of his room. He couldn't help but follow after grabbing his... Farrah Fawcett. Just a dream. Hairspray. You're dreaming. But what we see, what he doesn't see, is that all his friends are there. Will, Max, Mike, Lucas, and Eleven with her nose running, meaning she is powering these toys. And they all sneak up behind him, yell surprise, scream loud, and he turns and sprays Lucas right in the face with that fire faucet hairspray. Hilarious moment, but it lost a little because we saw that in the trailer. We cut over to the pool, the city pool, or at least I don't think it's a club. I think it's just the public pool for the whole, for the whole town of Hawkins. And, um, wouldn't you know it, but young Billy is a lifeguard. Yes, the bully prick from last season, Max's older stepbrother, kind of the town jerk, is the lifeguard for the pool. Hey, Lardass! No running on my watch. I gotta warn you again and you're banned for life. You wanna be banned for life, Lardass? Didn't think so. Okay, look, say what you want. Uh, about a bully and about uh, mean and about making fun of a little fat kid. Uh, that was hilarious. That was very much like this guy is cool. He comes out of the pool area. All the girls are looking at him. Um, he is that mall rat looking guy. And believe me, mall rats, is, that, that term comes up multiple times this season uh, for many different reasons. But that was a term we used for, at least that's what I thought mall rats looked like. Like he would look like that and hang out at the mall all the time um, in the food court smoking. Now, Billy, he, at least he was working. He had his job at the pool uh, where he probably liked, he, and apparently he gives swimming lessons. We learn that later. Uh, but most importantly, he seems to be eye candy for all the cougars of Hawkins, including Mrs. Wheeler. They, when, when he comes out, well, what happened is they're all sitting there at the pool and um, they're all excited because the, the female lifeguard is off duty. She's finishing her shift. She heads off. That's when Billy comes in and all the women are like, you know, trying to look as sexy as possible, including Mrs. Wheeler, Mike and Nancy's mom. She's there reading a romance novel, and she's like, you know, she met Billy last year, and he kind of turned on the charm for her, and she was taken aback a bit. 
Uh, and it seems like that has stuck with her because she just looks at him like he is a piece of meat. Oh, and she's drinking a new Coke. And might I say that in this first episode, we already I can already say that the soundtrack for this season, this episode, let alone this entire season, is stacked. I mean, they went all out with 1980s music. I, I feel like it was more than ever. Uh, and you're never going to hear a complaint from me for something like that. Now we cut over to the downtown area of Hawkins, and it doesn't look so great. Looks like there's some flyers, doors out of business. Uh, Joy still works at that department store where uh, she's hanging up a big sign for, I think it was 50 to 70% off. Seems like the mall is um, ruining all these shops downtown. Um, it's that damn Starcourt Mall. Hopper shows up, and he's there to kind of, well, he's there to see Joyce. But he's there really to talk about Elle and Mike, really just to complain about them. She, he doesn't like, uh, he, he, he doesn't like that Wheeler kid. He, 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 he really, he says that goddamn Mike, he blames him for everything. And, um, you know, doesn't like them spending so much time together, doesn't like them kissing, doesn't like them being in the room alone. And he's telling Joyce all this. And she's like, listen, why don't you just sit down with them and, and talk with them? No, because talking doesn't work. Not yelling, not ordering. Talk to them. Like a heart to heart. A heart to heart? What is that? You sit them down and you talk to them like you're their friend. I find if you talk to them like you're on their level, then they really start to listen. And then, you know, you could start to create some boundaries. Boundaries? Yeah, but Hop, it's really important that no matter how they respond, you stay calm. You cannot lose your temper. Uh, maybe you could do it for me. No. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. You come over after work. Yes. No. It only works if it comes from you. So you can see, Hopper is not completely against the idea of doing this heart-to-heart talk. Um, he just doesn't feel that he is equipped to do it. He's trying to get Joyce to do it for him. Uh, and she's like, no, no. Um, but, um, it looks like she is going to give him some pointers at least to kind of get him started. While this is going on in the store, we see right outside the store, Nancy walk by and, uh, she's, she's walking along, power walking with a purpose, um, fear or something like that. But, um, nope, she is heading right into the Hawkins post. And what is she doing? She's doing the grunt work she talked about. She's delivering everybody's lunch. She walks in on Jonathan in the, in the dark room, gives him his lunch, gives the secretaries their lunches, and then goes in to the newsroom to deliver the lunch to all the reporters, all the kind of, like, the stereotypical um, boys' room of old, fat, you know, a lot of reporters for for a small town, Hawkins, Indiana. A lot of people working in this uh, small town newspaper. Like a, a bigger guy, like th- there's more people there than in the police department. Um, which was surprising. And one of them is uh, Jake Busey. He, he's one of the main jerks. Yeah, Gary Busey's son. Um, and anyway, they want to have, um, they want to come up with ideas 
uh, for the paper. And of course, Jake Busey's talking about all these sexist ones going down to beauty, beauty um, pageants, I think. Um, and Nancy being Nancy, uh, wanting to achieve things uh, and knowing that she can do these things, uh, she speaks up. What about Starcourt? I was just thinking. I mean, I know everyone loves them all, but how many small businesses have closed since it opened? Like five on Main, at least. It's changing the fabric of our town in, in a way... The death of small-town America. I like it. I like it a lot. But I think I've got something even spicier. It's about the missing mustard on my hamburger. <laughs> You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? <laughs> Look out, Phil. She might be after your job. You know, the, the Starcourt Mall uh, and its effects on the town, on small businesses, on what it's even doing there in the first place, um, plays a major role in this season. And... Nancy's story is actually a really good story. But the guys just see this young girl and uh, treat her like shit. So we cut back over to our our friends, back to the kids, back to our gang. And um, see, Luke is still cleaning out his eyes. Uh, And while he's doing that, he, you know, Max is like, is it okay? He's like, it still stings, but it's okay. And then he looks at her and says, is that a new zit? And she just grabs him and sticks his head under the water. And um, not to be too spoilery, but even in this episode, we, we see that Lucas, you know, the, these, these kids have girlfriends, but they really don't know how to talk to these women. I mean, he says, he says something else later in front of her. He does something else in front of her that, you know, it's not like bad, but just... Like a kid, just a clueless kid. And this, why would you ever say to a girl, is that a new zit? I mean, how, like, humiliating. I mean, luckily no one else was there. But, um, and luckily Max can, is, you know, tough, a tough kid who just laughs it off, you know, but still. Um, while this is going on, uh, that's when um, Dustin is showing Will, Mike, and L some of the stuff he worked on in summer camp. One thing was a forever clock. You know, in case of the apocalypse, because, you know, I mean, not that that would ever happen, except it's almost, it's already almost happened twice to them. And his slammer looks like a mechanical hammer. It reminded me of um, the dad in Gremlins with all his uh, with all his inventions, his bathroom buddy. Um, and didn't he have a power hammer? I feel like he did. Then he shows off Cerebro, his Cadillac of ham radios. That was the clip I played to open up the show. Um built this ham radio that could be they could hear from North Pole to South Pole with his giant antenna. It's all battery powered and uh, he could use it to talk to his girlfriend and the moment he said girlfriend all three of them were like girlfriend? And as the four of them are heading out to the living room area to leave the house with their bag with all their stuff from their radio they're like, he starts talking about his girlfriend. Oh she's as you know, she's a genius and she's as, as pretty as Phoebe Cates, but even hotter. And Lucas and Max looking like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're, we're going to take um, 
you know, uh, Dustin's new radio and uh, set it up so we can talk to his girlfriend. And both of them, the same thing. Girlfriend? You know, you know who used to have a girlfriend early on? A young man named Steve Harrington. Um, but he was a prick then. Remember the first season? Really didn't, really didn't like him all that much. He came on heroically um, in, in the end of season one. And season two, we really started to enjoy him, and he came on even more, even more heroically. This season, you know, actually last season we loved him too, but now he is like, you see him, and it's just like, oh, it's so great to see Steve. But you know, he's not doing so great. He's working at an ice cream parlor, trying to talk to girls. Just not really working out like it should be. There's a couple girls who come in for ice cream. And he's trying to sweet talk them, trying to impress them, trying to, to see if they want to hang out this week. No. Next week. No. Turns out they just don't want to hang out at all. And another one bites the dust. You are O. Four, six, Popeye. Yeah, yeah, I can count. You know that means you suck. Yep, I can read, too. Since when? It's this stupid hat. I am telling you, it is totally blowing my best feature. Yeah, company policy is a real drag. You know, it's a crazy idea, but have you considered telling the truth? Oh, you mean that I couldn't even get an attack and my douchebag dad's trying to teach me a lesson? I make three bucks an hour and I have no future? That truth? Hey, 12 o'clock. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, going in. Okay. Go. And you know what? Screw company policy. Oh, my God. You're a whole new man. Right? Mm. <laughs> Ahoy, ladies. I didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. <laughs> Can I get you guys so, a little taste of the cherries, do you believe? We see what's up with Steve. He, um, he didn't get into college. His dad's making him work. Uh, he's making three bucks an hour, which I'm assuming that was minimum wage then. I was only nine, so I wasn't in the workforce yet. But what this showed me was, you know, he's he's not in the greatest, he's not the most confident state of mind right now. But it also showed me that this new girl, Robin, is awesome. And she's funny, and she's playful, and they get along good, and, you know, she's kind of goofing on him. Uh, she had a whiteboard, and she made a little uh, a dash every time he struck out with women, and he seemed to be striking out with women every time. And he didn't, it didn't seem to bother him. He didn't find it angry. He just, he probably was agreeing with her that it's, it's been sad, and it hasn't been working out for him. Um, but that was just an, a, a, a cool introduction to uh, Robin. You know, we, we saw her earlier, but this was getting a little more uh, of her and the more we get of her the better the better she is so um, yeah that's not spoiling things we're going to get more of her right I mean you know she's a major part of the show and I didn't realize that while watching it she is uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter for whatever that's worth I know this is a difficult conversation to have but I hope you know that I care about you very much and I know that you eye contact 
And I know that you both care about each other very much. This does not sound like me at all. Just keep going. Which is why I think it's important to establish these boundaries moving forward. No looking, you know this, come on. So we can build an environment uh, where we all feel comfortable and trusted and open. Share our feelings. To sharing our feelings. This isn't gonna work. Um, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. Yes, it will. I promise. Oh, come on. Maybe you just kill Mike. I'm the chief of police. I could cover it up. Got this. I promise. So as you see, the uh, next scene, we jump back over to the department store, and Hopper is there talking with Joyce. Kind of. Um, going over his speech with her that he wants to do. He is really, she helped him with it. He's practicing it. Um, I realize now he's probably with her still the whole time. This all took place while they were working on this speech. And um, he's not really confident about it, but, you know, she's she is uh, confident that he can do it. And he asked her out for dinner right then and there. Um, and she's just like, I have plans. And then a customer comes in. She goes to help a customer. It's an older woman. I don't know if that's, you know, showing that an older person is still going to be loyal to these stores. Longtime customer. Goes over. Her and Joyce are talking. This this kind of old 50s, 60s love song is playing. And um, it's just something about the look in David Harbour's, Harbour's eyes. Hopper. You could just see that he's just looking at her like she's the one. I'm in love, you know, no matter what it takes. I'm not going to stop trying. Um, it was just just this weird look. I mean, give this guy the Emmy, please. Please give it to him now. If, if he's not, if he doesn't win it, um, at least nominate him. Didn't he win something? Or was it maybe the whole cast won something? But my God, he's so good in this. Um, but, you know, he's he's not getting Joyce for dinner yet. So we cut back to uh, a big open field and our gang, our lovable gang of misfits is walking to the, look like they're trying to get to the highest point in town uh, for the radio tower so they can talk to quote-unquote Susie, quote-unquote Dustin's girlfriend. Um, And they don't get very far and then Mike and Eleven just blow them off. They're like, uh, sorry, we got to go. We have to, uh, you know, curfew. Sorry. Sorry, man. We got to go. And they just kind of blow everyone off. Curfew at four? They're lying. It's been like this all summer. It's romantic. It's gross. It's bullshit. I just got home. (laughs) Well, they're lost, right? Onwards and upwards. Susie awaits. (sighs) So at this point, it's bright daylight, but Will's having another kind of moment where he's feeling goose pimples on the back of his neck. He's looking around like something is definitely up. He can just sense it. You know, he has that that kind of mental connection with the mind flare. And um, 
he, he hasn't said anything yet, but you can just, you can read it in his eyes. He is, you know, slightly panicked. Um, and when we pan down, we see more rats scurrying along. It's like another giant sea of rats going into that steelworks, that Brimborn steelworks. They're going down the stairs, and the rats are like convulsing and exploding and turning into this jelly-like goo. So while Hopper's working on a speech, Mike and Eleven are going to back to the house to make out. Uh, Will and Lucas and Max are with Dustin trying to reach to the sky and, and, and call Susie. Um, while all this is going on, Mrs. Wheel is swimming. They're still at the pool. She's still swimming. She's going, you know, doing these uh, just laps in the lap pool. And um, now it's Billy's turn to be checking her out. Looking good out there, Mrs. Wheeler. Thank you. Perfect form. Well, your form is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I, I've seen you uh, teaching <laughs> lessons, swimming lessons. You know, I could, uh, I could teach you if you like. Oh. I know all the styles. Freestyle, butterfly, breaststroke. Oh. oh. You okay? Uh, I didn't think you, I didn't think you taught adults. Well, I offer more uh, advanced lessons to select clientele. <laughs> Come to think of it, there is a good pool out at uh, Motel 6 on Cornwallis. It's very quiet. You know, very private. Mm. Shall we say tonight? 8 o'clock? I'm sorry. I can't. Can't what? Have fun? <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler. No. I, I, I just, uh, I don't think I need any lessons. Oh, you see, I think you do. I just don't think that you've had the right teacher. I am. Uh... It will be the workout of your life. I feel like in the 80s there was this, these movies that were like private lessons and my tutor and all these things um, where it was like an older woman and a younger guy um, having a tour de fair. And uh, this is, it almost reminds me of that, where you see this young, strapping lifeguard um, who does swimming lessons offering to give advanced lessons to a married woman who, by all accounts, doesn't want it, but you can literally see her. Basically, IF. I don't even know, I don't want to say the F word. I'm trying to be somewhat clean. But the look she gives Billy, it's like, you, I am, I'm having sex with you right now in my mind. Um, and I have to say, being a, a good husband of a man, it makes me 
not like her that much. Um, it makes me, you know, kind of be like, what are you doing, Mrs. Wheeler? But then again, you've seen the schlub she's married to, right? I mean, that guy married up tremendously. Um, you know, uh, but the look she gives him, like, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, but again, it could just be playful flirting at this point. Uh, but she definitely is being flirty and accepting of the flirtations being sent back to her. Um, I don't know. Just uh, don't do it, Mrs. Wheeler. Don't do it. So we cut back to the kids, um, Lucas, Max, Will, and Dustin, and they finally reached the highest spot uh, you know, Max said it took them five hours. I don't know if it took them that long, but um, they uh, get to the top. They're exhausted. And Will says, why couldn't we just play D&D? Again, that's my second clue of him wanting things to stay the same way, not wanting, not liking seeing, you know, now we're good at Dustin's going to talk to his girlfriend. I mean, we don't even know you know, we don't know. Will has no girlfriend. Again, you know, we don't know if he even likes girls. Um, and he's seeing all his friends get these girlfriends and spend less time with him, less time with the group. He's had so much shit go on in his life that you could just see that he doesn't, he wants to continue. He wants this childhood that it's, he hasn't really had a, a nice, peaceful childhood in the last couple of years, and he still wants it. And <clears throat> Meanwhile, these kids around him are growing up and they're all interested in girls, um, including Lucas, whose girlfriend is Max. But um, he does something again that shows that he doesn't quite know what he's doing. He takes this whole canteen and drinks the entire thing right in front of her. Um, very Three Amigos, if you know Three Amigos. That reminded me of that. And so then they just start setting up the radio antenna. It is huge. I mean, it is really impressive. You know, it's. They tape things together. They um, they stand this thing up, and when they when they finish, it is quite large. So they uh, they get the radio on, and Dustin's like, "All right, I'm gonna let's start talking to Susie." Pretty impressive, right? Yeah. Now you ready to meet my love? Okay, sure. Yeah. Susie, this is Dustin. Do you copy? Over. One sec. No, she's probably she's still there. Susie, this is Dustin. Do you copy? Over. I'm sure she's there. She's, yeah. You know, maybe she's like busy. Yeah. It's around dinner time. Mm, yeah. Here. Susie, do you copy? This is Dustin. Over. I just love when he said, you know, it's it's dinner time here. Uh, and I looked it up. Utah and Salt Lake, not Utah, Utah and Indiana are two hours different. So whatever time it is there, it's two hours earlier for where Dustin claims this, quote unquote, Susie lives. Um, but hasn't reached her yet. Uh, we, we, you know, it's getting dark and we cut over to Joyce. She ends up going home. Uh, remember she said she had plans with Hopper. I mean, she had plans that she couldn't go out. Um, that's why she avoided Hopper. And um, 
you know, really, what did she do? She went home, she heated up some lasagna in the microwave, poured herself a glass of wine, and uh, watched Cheers. And I was going to say a rerun of Cheers, but no, it's probably a new episode of Cheers. Um, And those were her plans. But, you know, it it actually uh, ended up being a lot more than that because uh, she reminisced and she thought back of um, watching Cheers with uh, her her old man, Bob Newby. They're funny, don't you think? Yes. I just wish they'd get back together again already. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so seeing that um, made me think, you know what? It's all right that Joyce isn't ready to date Hopper, isn't ready to go out with him, even if she wants to. Even if she likes him, um, she's still pining for Bob and she still misses him. And, I mean, she really loved him. You can just see that multiple times this season. Um, And it's just, you know, she'd rather miss him and sit and think of him than, you know, move on. And it's sad, but it's also a little lovely. Uh, and, and as she's still watching Cheers, we pan over and um, all the magnets fall off the fridge again, just like it did before. Um, so now we cut over to Nancy, who is finishing up at the paper when uh, they get a call. Hawkins Post? Um, hold on. I'm sorry. Can you, can you repeat that? So Nancy gets this call, picks up a little pad of paper, and writes down, Doris Driscoll, diseased rats. So once again, these crazy rats that we're seeing running around, exploding, turning into goo, uh, we're not done with them yet. We cut over to uh, Mike and Eleven, and remember that whole curfew thing that they were worried about? Yeah, they just wanted to go home and make out to Ario Speedwagon. Uh, my friends, everyone should make out to Ario Speedwagon at least one time in their life. So while that is going on, Hopper is, you know, he's in the next room practicing the talk, talking about sharing his feelings, all these things. And um, he he's going to go for it. He knocks on the door. He goes in. He... Um, starts to, like, try to talk to them. And I have to tell you, Mike is being a little prick. Uh-oh. I think we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hopper tried it Joyce's way. It clearly wasn't going well. He couldn't recover. So you know what he said? He said, look... Actually, your mom called. It's about your grandmother. Is she dead? No. Did she fall again? No. Does she have cancer? No. Then I don't understand what's wrong with Nana. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with Nana. What? But there's something very wrong with this thing between you and Elle. 
Are you lying, piece of shit? You're crazy. Crazy? You want to see real crazy? You disrespect me again. If you're lucky, maybe I will continue to allow you to date my daughter. Not if you understand. I love Hopper this season. Um, you know, I saw an article that said they didn't like Jim Hopper this season, and that is such garbage. He's so great. So awesome. The actor does such a great job. The character is so great. Is he perfect? No. Is he flawed? Yes. And that's what makes him so great. Um, all he cares about is protecting Eleven. That's all he cares about. And uh, if he has to scare the hell out of Mike to do that, he will. Uh, so we cut back to our friends, uh, Will, Lucas, Max, and Dustin, and Dustin's still trying to get Susie, still trying to get Susie. Um, can't reach her, doesn't don't know why they can't reach her. And you know, Lucas is thinking, well, probably because she doesn't exist. Uh, he's like, What do you she exists? And you know, he's like, Okay, um, nobody's that perfect. She's a genius and she's hotter than Phoebe Cates. No girl is that perfect. Is that so? I mean, you're perfect. Yeah, yeah, per- I mean, like, per- perfect in your own way. I mean, your special, your own special way. I love it because, you know, between the zit comment, the drinking the canteen, and now this, you know, he he doesn't realize that when he's putting his foot in his mouth. And Max laughs it off. Doesn't bother, really. Um, but it's just funny that he says these dumb things. He's a kid. He's a kid. He's saying things. He's not realizing that he might be insulting his girlfriend. Um, but they... um. They just pack it up. They're like, it's too late. We're out of here. They they stayed long enough, and they head out. That just leaves Dustin and Will, but Will is also like, um, you know, it's getting late. I got to go. You know, maybe tomorrow we can play Dungeons & Dragons or something fun. And then he leaves, and Dustin's like, yeah, great. You know, some, you know, some welcome home. Uh, so he feels alone. Will, he feels alone. He can't reach his girlfriend. He feels like his friends are avoiding him or abandoning him. Will, you can see, once again says, I just want to play Dungeons & Dragons. He just wants to continue being a kid. And um, everyone else is off boyfriend and girlfriend. But, uh, you know, Dustin's sitting there alone. He's figuring, man, maybe I'll pack it up. Maybe I'll um, hang out for a little while longer. When all of a sudden, his radio starts working. Susie? Susie, is that you? Susie? 
You know, Dustin's radio says it can work from North Pole to South Pole. Oh my God, he's picking up a Russian transmission. The Silver Cat feeds. When blue meets yellow in the West. A trip to China sounds nice. If you tread lightly. Something interesting. I um, I googled the Silver Cat feeds because I wanted to see the full uh, text. I ended up just getting off the subtitles. But I found an article back in November of 2018. Um, there's a book that came out called Stranger Things World Turned Upside Down. Um, which sounds like a Will Smith lyric. But it was a, it's a behind-the-scenes book. And on page 62 of that book, there's Morse code. Like, there's text, and there's a footnote. But right above the footnote, there's a line of Morse code. And the Morse code spells out the silver cat feeds. This book actually came out... Um, the book came out in October. The article about it I saw on, uh, in November. I just thought that was a cool little Easter egg that they had set up for season three. Um, months and months and months ahead. And people were probably like, what the hell does the silver cat feed? So those people who figured that out, when they heard this, they probably were like, oh, there it is, the silver cat. So while this, while we hear it on the radio, uh, for Dustin's radio at first, we then see the guy in a bass saying those, those lines. And um, we cut over, and there is our Russian again, our young scientist in a lab, I don't know if it's the same lab. I don't know if it's a new lab. Actually, I do know. Um, and he's looking in front of him, and you just see this blue light shining off, and you see this machine going. Um, they don't show too much, and a younger man looks over to him and says in Russian, it's beautiful, beautiful, isn't it? And the young scientist looks on. So whatever they're doing is working, and the young scientist just looks on, and the look on his face doesn't look like he's proud or excited. It looks almost like he's scared. Uh, he's disturbed. You know, he wasn't as excited as the guy talking to him was. So we cut over, and what do we see? But Mrs. Wheeler getting all dolled up, doing her hair, doing her makeup, all dressed up, looking down at her wedding ring. And I'm thinking, oh, she's getting, uh, she's having second thoughts. And she takes her wedding ring off, heads downstairs, and, um, look over and she sees that sh that schlub of a husband who married up but he see she sees her husband and she sees her youngest daughter sleeping they're both sleeping on a chair and you can see that she has this guilt this something in her eye i'm thinking it's guilt uh, maybe she's getting a second having second thoughts now but uh before we know what she does we go over and we cut over to Billy. We see him racing along. You know, he's all pumped up, horned up. He's looking in the mirror, look, checking himself out, pretending to be talking to Mrs. Wheeler, um, calling her, I think, is it Carol? It's like, can I call you Carol? And he hits something. Boom. His car spins out. Uh, something hit him or something. Um, and he, he is it, it hits a tree. The car's still running. Um but it hits a tree and he, he, he kind of stumbles out of it. He's all pissed off. He's yelling at his car. He is like kicking the dirt and he looks and he sees a big crack in the windshield. 
And on the windshield, he kind of touches and picks up this goo. Who's there? Hey! I said who's there? Is how the episode ends. Something in that steelworks factory grabbed Billy by the leg. It was this long arm, this long tendril, and it grabbed Billy and it yanked him and it pulled him down into the underground of this factory. Um, and that's how the episode ends. Billy dead? This monster, whatever it is, it got him. Um, what a great start to the season. What a great ending to this episode. Um, so what I like to do at the end of each episode is talk about what have we learned. So I wrote some notes of what we've learned. You can hear the paper. Uh, we know that the Soviets know about the Upside Down. They're trying to actively open a gate. Because um, they did this back in 1984, before the, uh, the you know, season two. Um, does this mean they know about Hawkins as well? Do they, like, uh, did information get spread to them? Um, we also know that there's some sort of powerful force in the steelworks. And Will can sense something. And he had a little flashback of seeing the Mind Flayer and the, um, that, ha- that got into him in Season 2. Um, so whatever this thing is, Will senses it. Uh, or he, he senses something that's similar to it, the, to the Mind Flayer. And there's something going on in the Steelworks. It is um, exploding rats into goo. And whatever it is, it was able to physically grab Billy and yank him. It didn't have to swim into Billy's mouth or anything like that. It physically grabbed him, yanked him, pulled him downstairs. Um, pulled him downstairs. Pulled him down into the factory. So what did we learn about uh, everybody else? Mike, we learn, really likes to kiss Eleven. Eleven really likes to kiss uh, Mike. Lucas likes to put his foot in his own mouth. Dustin claims to have a girlfriend. Um, and doesn't know why everyone doesn't want to hang out with him trying to reach her through a will uh, through a, a ham radio. Will just wants to stay the same. He mentions D, D, D and D multiple times, says he won't find love. I don't know what that means, um, but you know it's he's, it's like a, he's a tragic character and I hope he just wants to have happiness and it's like everyone around him is doing all these other things and he's like, give me a break. I just want to do this. Turning the page here. Something powerful is messing with the magnets. 
um, probably having related to do with the power outage. Hopper is not crazy about Mike being with Eleven. Nancy is trying to survive a boys' club of a newspaper. Um, she is, and she, she might have a lead with that phone call. Uh, while Jonathan just likes his job working with uh, newspapers. Joyce loves Hopper as a friend, as a good friend. They've probably been friends since high school. Um, but she's not over Bob. She's not ready to go out with Hopper. She misses Bob Newby. Bob Newby was a good man. Uh, Mrs. Wheeler uh, was really, really close to wanting to bang Billy. Uh, does not look like that's going to happen. Billy is into something uh, bad. Something got him. And the Russians are back. It's been a year. And they think they seem to have figured it out. My friends, I think we've cracked episode one. Susie, do you copy? Um, I want to thank you, first of all, for subscribing. Um, we're the Stranger Danger podcast. We are a... Stranger Things podcast. Available wherever podcasts are available. I, I, I feel like I said available and podcast multiple times. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, we seem to have a lot of viewers or a lot of listeners on Spotify. So that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and everything is available at fansnotexperts.com slash stranger danger. We are part of the Fans Not Experts uh, podcasting network. We have multiple podcasts on the network, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, if you like heavy metal, we have some metal podcasts dedicated to certain bands. If you like wrestling, we have a wrestling podcast. If you like um, Mad Men, I also do a Mad Men podcast every week. And this is this is the one that I feel like I put the most amount of work in. Uh, and I love doing it. I love this show and I can't believe it's almost been, it's been a year and a half since I was able to do this episode. Uh, and you know, after seven weeks, we're going to be done again, but I thank you for staying with me or I thank you for finding me. My name is Mike. Now I usually, I would say you could find me on Twitter at geek mentality and I'd love you to follow me there, but I did start a Twitter account for the podcast specifically and stranger danger was taken stranger danger podcast was too long stranger danger pod was too long stranger podcast was taken all these things were taken so we have the we have the really uh rolls off the tongue name of stranger d pod that's the podcast now you can find all this at straight at uh, fansonexperts.com slash stranger danger uh and we're also part of anchor anchor is a podcasting tool that is 100% 100% free, and it's just a, a hosting uh, website. Everything, it has every tool you could possibly uh, use to make a podcast, and it's all free, and I, I just I love the tool. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, so thank you for listening. I will see you in one week when we discuss episode two. Uh, but until then, Susie, do you copy? Fans not experts. 
At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.